Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. A major worry for many people right now is the Delta variant, a highly contagious strain of COVID-19, which is making headlines across the United States. The FDA has just authorized a third dose of the COVID-19 vaccine so that immune-compromised patients can better protect themselves from the virus. What does this mean for CKD, dialysis, and transplant patients? We spoke with Dr. Joseph Vassilotti, NKF's chief medical officer, in a recent Facebook Live to share the facts about the Delta variant, COVID-19 booster shots, and other concerns facing kidney patients. everyone. Welcome back to another Facebook Live discussion about COVID-19 and the vaccine. I'm Caitlin Engel. I'm a registered dietitian and I'm NKF's program development director. I'm here again with our chief medical officer, Dr. Joseph Fazilotti, um, and he is also a clinical professor at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. Um, thank you again for joining us today, Dr. Vazilotti. There has been a lot of news about COVID the past few weeks. Some of it's confusing. People might not know what they're supposed to be doing or not doing. Can you start with just giving us a quick summary of the current recommendations, your sort of elevator pitch of what kidney patients should be doing right now related to COVID? We have a Delta variant that is very transmissible. And so we have increased infections throughout the country and particularly in certain parts of the country, especially where um, the vaccination rates are low. And also, we're thrilled that um, the FDA authorized and the CDC's ACIP uh, committee provided specific guidance about a third dose of the mRNA vaccine for immunosuppressed Americans. I would say, in short, for kidney transplant recipients and other immunosuppressed Americans, third time's a charm. So I think, you know, try to take advantage of that with uh, with your clinician. Today is August 19th, so we want you to be mindful of that, that uh, August 19th, 2021, what we say is current to this date. You want to work with your transplant care team or your oncology care team if you have cancer or if you're receiving immune suppression for another reason with your rheumatology team or your gastroenterology team that's prescribing the immune suppression with respect to your individual circumstances and the third dose um, of the vaccine. And because of the Delta variant and its increased transmissibility, and because you're immunosuppressed, you have that increased risk of severe COVID-19. So I think many of you have done a wonderful job to be careful all along. And unfortunately, we're gonna ask you and your clinicians will probably ask you to continue to be cautious to social distance to wear a mask indoors, particularly in poorly ventilated areas where you'll be interacting with the public. And lastly, I think that the biggest problem for our country is receiving the vaccination across the population. Do your best to work with your household contacts that are age 12 and older, with other individuals that you interact with regularly, friends, extended family, to work with them to be vac- be fully vaccinated because they will protect themselves and they will protect you. And as of August 11th, 
Sarah Oliver made a presentation for the CDC in which it was noted that individuals 12 years and older are 58% approximately vaccinated. Those 18 years and older are 61% approximately vaccinated. And those 65 years and older are about 80% vaccinated. But that's nationwide. And in your community, it may be different. And in different parts of your community, it may be very different. Um, I think the biggest challenge we have is to continue to vaccinate the unvaccinated. And we can look to the future for approval of at least one of the mRNA vaccines very soon, which hopefully will help increase vaccination throughout the country. When you say approval, you mean the full FDA approval, not yes, the, the full, emergency yeah. authorization. Yeah, the, so the uh, mm -hmm. authorization for the Pfizer and the Moderna mRNA vaccines was back in December of 2020. And just in August 12th, the FDA extended that uh, for a third dose for immunosuppressed individuals. And for the J&J &J vaccine that was authorized in February of um, 2021. And uh, so the full approval uh, will hopefully give more confidence to the public uh, to continue. By the way, on August 11th, almost 90 million um, Americans were fully vaccinated with Pfizer and almost um, 64 million Americans were fully vaccinated with the Moderna vaccine. Can you just talk a little bit more about why people who are immune suppressed have not been fully protected by the, the current vaccines, the two doses that they've gotten? And what is the evidence that, that a third dose is going to help them? The CDC has its MMWR, that's called the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly that it just published yesterday, which showed that the vaccines work well, even in the Delta variant era, so that's from March to July of 2021 for the general public. And before the Delta variant, the mRNA vaccines were on the order of 95% effective in protection against hospitalization. And after that is on the order of 80 to 92%. So still excellent protection from hospitalization uh, with the mRNA vaccines. For individuals who are immunosuppressed, that level is much lower. It's on the order of 50%. And we also know from studies of the spike protein antibody, which uh, is not recommended to be tested for assessing immunity after the vaccine, but has been studied fairly extensively. We know that there is about a 40 to 50% response in solid organ transplant recipients and kidney transplant recipients. And then we also have two New England Journal of Medicine papers were published just on August 12th, uh, one with the Moderna uh, vaccine in Canada. That was with Victoria Hall as the first author. And with that experience showed us that after the second dose, there was about a 55% level of antibody immunity that increased to 71% after a third dose was given. They actually randomized the patients to the third dose versus um, not receiving the third dose, and they actually saw a reduction in the antibody percentage with antibody response if, uh, for those that didn't receive a third dose. And importantly, the level of the antibody increased in everyone, even those. Uh, so if, if you had the antibody before, the level increased if you received the third dose. That was a randomized trial. Then there was a trial that was done in France of the Pfizer vaccine published the same day. And this one 
uh, Nassim Kumar was the first author of that paper, and that took about 100 individuals who had received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine and uh, added a third dose. And they showed that the antibody assessment of immunity, which has its limitations, went from 40 to 68%. So that increased. And also importantly, individuals who didn't have any antibody before the vaccine, about 44, uh, before the second, before the third dose of the vaccine, excuse me, about 44% of them developed antibody after the third dose of the vaccine. So in other words, we have evidence that the third dose of the vaccine appears to improve immunity, appears to improve hopefully durability, that it will last longer. We'll have to see how that goes. These studies did not look at infection rates. They're not long enough, so we don't know about, we don't have the data to show protection, but um, it's uh, reasonable to assume that there will be increased protection from severe COVID-19 and from hospitalization after the third dose. Um, and I should mention that the FDA and the CDC recommend a third dose 28 days or later after the second Pfizer or Moderna uh, second mRNA dose. And um, I think we can talk more about other immunosuppressed conditions perhaps subsequently. So basically what I'm hearing is this research into the third dose is promising that it does kind of boost the response and provide some additional protection. And so people who are immune suppressed should definitely get that, but that they're still not 100% protected and they should continue the other safety practices that we've been recommending. Yes, and I, I did mostly talk about the efficacy of the, or the evidence for efficacy or protection based on the antibody levels. I should also mention that safety was demonstrated in both of those new medicine papers. So there weren't any increase in severe adverse events. There weren't increase in uh, solid organ transplant uh, rejection in the study. So it appears not only that the third dose of the mRNA vaccine, Pfizer Moderna is protective, uh, but also that it's uh, safe. We know that there are still people out there, both kidney patients and the general public, who have concerns about the safety and the research that went into these vaccines, um, and especially the potential long-term side effects that we might not know. Can you just talk a little bit uh, about the research that's been done so far? I know you mentioned the number of people that have received them, and anything we can say about safety and long-term effects? One of the challenges of this, you know, if you have 90 million people receive a Pfizer vaccine and 64 million receive a Moderna and 13 million receive the J&J, &J, um, and you follow them for a period of months, um, if they have adverse events over those periods of months, how much of that is noise or just background events that would have happened anyway, whether they were vaccinated or not, or how many of those are real safety signals? So I, that work, I think, is ongoing. And um, I think allergic reactions are the most important thing to consider. Um, there is a concern about TTS, thrombosis, thrombocytopenia syndrome with the J&J &J vaccine. It's uncommon. It appears to be in young women, 18 to 49 years of age. That might be something if you're in that age group to think about uh, whether you should receive an mRNA vaccine or not. And there are some evidence that uh, young men, uh, 12 to 29, um, the 12 would obviously have received the Pfizer vaccine, and above 18 would be the uh, the other vaccines, uh, have had myocarditis. It's a 
small number of individuals, but it's been severe. So that is another uh, aspect that we need to understand or severe uh, side effect in addition to the allergic, uh, severe allergic reactions. But all of those reactions are uncommon or rare. And by far the, the biggest challenge that we have is your risk of severe COVID-19 hospitalization, the need for oxygen therapy, supplemental oxygen therapy or mechanical ventilation to support uh, breathing and unfortunately not surviving the hospitalization is much more common in immunosuppressed individuals and kidney transplant recipients and in people with kidney disease, people treated with a dialysis. So the risk of the vaccine we'll have to study over time. It appears to be small and uncommon and rare, uh, but the risk of severe COVID-19 is real in most communities across the United States. And so by far all societies, professional societies in kidney disease, the American Society of Nephrology, the National Kidney Foundation, of course, um, the American Society of Transplantation, all recommend vaccination uh, for people with kidney diseases. So we encourage you to become vaccinated and also take an extra step to try to ensure vaccination for those in your sphere of influence and those that you interact with frequently. One person asked that um, because so many some of the studies did show that the, the first two mRNA doses were not as effective, why a third dose and why not research into a different kind of vaccine? I think right now, based on the available evidence, the CDC and the uh, FDA have recommended the same vaccine for safety because if you've received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine, uh, your risk of an allergic reaction is going to be much less or other adverse events if you receive the same Pfizer vaccine and the same would apply to the Moderna vaccine. One of the ongoing questions, and there are a number of ongoing questions, there's a lot we don't know that we're working hard to to investigate and there are researchers that are investigating this is mixed doses of the vaccine and there's some data that that, that works so that it's efficacious but how to do how to best do that it's generally recommended that you stay with the same mrna vaccine if you want to ask about whether you could switch within the mrna i think that's something you could certainly talk with your clinician um, about um, and in the future it's possible that we will recommend different types of vaccines for COVID-19. J&J is, an, uh, is another issue that, uh, you know, that is also relevant here. Should a person who has received the J&J vaccine, the single dose vaccine, receive the same J&J or receive one or the other of the mRNA vaccines that are currently FDA authorized? We don't know yet what people who receive the J&J vaccine should do, correct? Right. So I think I, I think it's challenging for J&J vaccine recipients. It's like it's something worth talking with your clinicians about. It's not authorized to receive another dose of the vaccine, but your clinician and you and with you could decide to receive another J&J dose or one of the mRNA doses potentially. But that would not that would be outside of the FDA recommendation and outside of the FDA authorization, the CDC recommendations. Um, keep in mind that the reason for this is that, that we have less data for J&J because it was just really implemented nationwide in March of 2021 as opposed to December of 2020 for the mRNA vaccines. So we have not only fewer individuals vaccinated, uh, but we have less uh, follow-up for those individuals. Um, and 
I'm sure that this is uh, there are ongoing studies of this to determine what the best next approach. And I think that the CDC will have recommendations soon about what to do um, if you receive the J&J vaccine and you're immunosuppressed. But in the meantime, if you're concerned, the best step would be to talk with your clinician directly. Since we have no guidance, we can yeah. no um, recommendations or we can, we can cite no recommendations. Is this third shot different than the first two? Do they need to go to a special clinic or can they just make an appointment anywhere with any clinic to, to get this third dose? How would you recommend that people go about getting it? Well, I think that's, again, probably something worth discussing with your clinician. I think ideally you would go to the same place that you received your two initial doses. Uh, if you receive them in the same place, many have already gone to their local pharmacy for this. Mm -hmm. um, if you received it through a healthcare system, you know, work with a healthcare system. The way this tended to happen is that the FDA made its authorization for the third dose on August 12th, and then the CDC made specific recommendations on August 13th. And then many states, departments of health, you know, followed with recommendations several days later. So that may impact how the vaccine is rolled out in your state or the third dose is rolled out in your state and where you get it. Um, I think um, that most people haven't needed a clinician's order. They just need to mm -hmm. verify that they have one of the immunosuppressing uh, conditions. And those, in addition to solid organ transplant, according to the CDC um, recommendation from August 13th for the third mRNA dose, Pfizer or Moderna, 28 days after the second dose or 28 days or longer, solid organ transplants like kidney transplant recipients treated with immunosuppression, active treatment for cancer like a solid tumor, like a breast cancer, for example, or lung cancer, or a blood cancer like uh, leukemia, for example, or um, severe primary immunodeficiency, severe HIV uh, infection or untreated HIV infection, and then treatment with high-dose prednisone defined as 21 mil 20 milligrams or higher or other immune suppression or immune uh, modulating uh, medications. What about dialysis patients or people with, you know, stage three or four kidney disease? What should they do right now? So that's a wonderful question. The CDC is considering uh, other groups at risk and in their meeting they had earlier this month, they also... Uh, addressed healthcare professionals. They addressed long-term care facility residents like nursing home residents, and they addressed seniors, so those 65 years and older. Uh, where dialysis patients fit in, you know, we think they're high risk, and that's one thing the National Kidney Foundation will be doing. We know from previous studies that about 80 to 90% have antibody uh, evidence of immunity after the primary series or after being fully vaccinated for COVID-19. So it's still better than kidney transplant recipients and the immunosuppressed, but not as, as robust as the general public. So I think one thing the National Kidney Foundation will do is advocate for dialysis patients, particularly in-center hemodialysis patients, because they have to travel to the clinics mm -hmm. and the clinic is a conjugate setting in a sense. So I think we're going to make sure that uh, in-center hemodialysis patients um, fit in uh, to the prioritization. And it's, uh, of course, important to recommend that dialysis patients still adhere 
to the social distancing and wearing masks indoors in poorly ventilated places, and that they try to have household contacts and others in their sphere of influence fully vaccinated. So I think that's something that we will uh, look forward to uh, addressing. We know from the pre-vaccination data that in-center dialysis patients particularly have higher risk of infection and higher risk of severe infection than other, other kidney patients. So for now, the best things that they can do are, you know, continue to protect themselves, wear masks, and just encourage everyone around them to, to be vaccinated until there's additional recommendations for them. Yes, and I think that the National Kidney Foundation has a Voices for Kidney Health that was recently launched, and there was a petition signed to address the kinds of questions we're talking about today. So um, another thing you can do certainly is to look at the National Kidney Foundation website. It's kidney.org, kidney.org, and look at the uh, Voices for Kidney Health and think about becoming engaged with the National Kidney Foundation so we can advocate for continued research of the kind of questions that have been asked about second dose of the J&J or, or mRNA vaccine after the initial single dose of J&J, as well as dialysis-treated patients where they fit in the, the prioritization. Before we go, can you just talk a little bit more about other you know, safety recommendations or other recommendations that we, we should give to our kidney community right now to keep themselves safe? What about, you know, social activities or going back to school, going to events? What kinds of recommendations do you have for patients right now? Well, one of the reasons I'm excited about this FDA authorization and the CDC's recommendations for a third dose for immunosuppressed individuals is that school is starting in September in many parts of the country, and many immunosuppressed individuals interact with school-age children, some of whom are under age 12 and have no opportunity as of yet to be vaccinated. Uh, so this will offer them uh, an additional protection. I think it really has to be individualized. I wanna thank transplant recipients that might be listening for all the, the challenges that you've faced and how well you've done. I know that you're more careful than the general public even before this pandemic and you've continued to be more careful. And I know it's been difficult for you and in different uh, circumstances. And I, I've heard from people living with kidney transplants about being ridiculed for being more cautious, but I think it's your health, it's vital. And I think that, um, that you have uh, been a great example for, um, for others and that um, in some parts of the country, we're getting different messages than others. So that's why I think it's really important to work with your local clinicians to understand, have situational awareness to what the virus is doing in your community and the level of vaccination in your community. And I think you should consider those when you think about your risk aversion to you know what kinds of behaviors you're going to do or not do. In general, uh, if you're immunosuppressed and you have a, you're a kidney transplant recipient, you're going to be at high risk for severe COVID-19. So in general, that would favor being risk averse and being more cautious. But, you know, you have to work with your clinicians and, you know, if you're at home with family members who are fully vaccinated, you know, that, that may be one uh, circumstance or that maybe you will, maybe it's something that you could consider having outdoor activities with fully vaccinated individuals. But I think without getting into too much detail, it's, it's best to work that through 
your uh, clinician and your individual circumstances. But we know it's challenging and I think that this opportunity, the third time is a charm, is fantastic. Let's just try to be, continue to be careful a little bit more. Hopefully, you know, um, we'll start to uh, turn the tide on the Delta variant just the way we did on the initial wave back in March uh, and April of 2020. We're coming to the end of our questions. Do you want to just close out with any final remarks or recommendations for people? I would encourage you to receive a third dose of the mRNA vaccine if you are fully vaccinated with Pfizer or, or Moderna and you're immunosuppressed. American, if you're a kidney transplant recipient, please do so. Please make sure that you have those around you vaccinated as much as you can and uh, continue to be careful. Talk with your clinician about, you know, uh, what are the kinds of behaviors that you can do? What are the kinds of behaviors that you could avoid? And I understand that uh, it's the summer and you maybe you, you want to do something or have a vacation. So uh, think about that, how, how you can work through a safe vacation, uh, enjoy the summer um, in, a, in a safe way. That's great advice. Stay tuned for, for future Facebook Lives or recommendations from us um, on social media and on our website. Thanks again for watching. As we continue to face challenges from the pandemic, it's important to continue to celebrate our wins. We are wishing a happy transplant anniversary to Dawn Dibdahl, who just celebrated 31 years with her kidney. Congratulations, Dawn. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.